0: Hello, hello, welcome to Comrades in Farms here on Truth Frequency Radio, iHeart, tuned in, talk stream live, and also on the Pharmacy's Network YouTube channel, that's F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, as in Let Food Be Thy Medicine, and Medicine Be Thy Food. Uh, tonight we're going to keep it short, actually we're going to do an hour episode tonight, and uh, for those of you listening on TFR, you can catch this again for another hour later if you miss the beginning part of it. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to say hello to Justin Goodearth. Good to see you in the chat here on YouTube, Justin. And uh, let's see, we're going to start out. We were out to visit our friend uh, Janice today. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at her beautiful garden. She's got a beautiful garden around her house. And uh, she had a plant that she gave us some of, Solomon's seal. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of some of the information I've read from uh, Matthew Woodbooks and a few other places on Solomon's seal and so uh, I recorded a little uh, clip that I read from an article earlier today on it and so what I'll do is play that for you to listen to and we'll come back and talk about it meantime I'll, uh, I'll give you a visual clip of that uh, of the Solomon seal at Janice's house okay so I wanted to read this article uh, here on comrades and farms it's about a plant called Solomon's seal uh, I found this information on herbcraft.org, uh, and this article I believe is written by Jim McDonald, an herbalist. Um, he references Matthew Wood in here several times, and Matthew Wood has several excellent books on plant medicinal use. Uh, he's an amazing researcher and uh, scientist and uh, author as well. This is not medical advice, of course, and you should always seek uh, the advice of your healthcare professional or do your own research. Um, I'm not responsible for the way you use this information, whether responsibly or irresponsibly. <laughs> All right, I want to read this article. Solomon Seal, Polygonatum biflorum. I learned about Solomon Seal early on, identifying it along with cleavers from a Leslie Bremnis Herbs Eyewitness Handbook as I was sitting with friends after a woodland wedding in Hastings. A few months later I read about it in Matthew Wood's book of Herbal Wisdom, and that fall I harvested some roots to make tincture. Not much later that autumn, uh, a woman I knew slipped and fell, wrenching her knee quite badly while I was over at her place, I went out into the woods behind her house, dug some roots up, simmered them for a bit in oil, and had her use that topically. She went to the doctor the next day and was referred to an orthopedic specialist the next day, who said it was quite a bad injury that would likely require surgery. A day after that, I dropped off some of the tincture I had made, and the next time she went into the orthopedist, a couple weeks later, she was told that she had healed phenomenally well and there would be no need for surgery for this after all. So that was my first experience using it. And since then, I've just kept racking up more and more cases typically exhibiting marked and even drastic recoveries. I don't think there's a single other plant I use so reliably, that so reliably produces such story-worthy results and there is far too little information clearly elabor- elaborating on Solomon seal's remarkable virtues. I figured I should help remedy that. Solomon seal is an invaluable but little-known remedy found peppered throughout Michigan's woodlands. Its range extends throughout the eastern woodlands into the Midwest, and to my knowledge, fails somewhere on its way into the West, though its sister, false Solomon seal, seems to exist there prolifically enough to have been written about by Michael Moore. Where I'm, while I'm at it, it seems to exist commonly, Though not too abundantly in our woodlands, there's always more false Solomon seal than true, and this makes its ecological status an important consideration, especially when harvesting the plant. But I'll discuss that below. Early in the spring, it sends up a slightly zigzagging stem bearing alternate leaves. I've often heard it claimed that Solomon seal stem is reliably straight, and that it is false Solomon seal that it zigzags. This may be true, but sometimes not. But so, this may be true sometimes, but not all the time and so it isn't a reliable mnemonic, mnemonic device. It is more commonly true that false Solomon seal's stem is plumper than the true. At each leaf joint there hangs a pair of whitish-green flowers shaped similar to little bowing pins whose bottoms open up as the flowering progresses. Over the summer these ripen from green to purple-blue berries in autumn. These berries are considered toxic and should not be eaten, though I've never really heard it explained in what manner they're toxic. Nevertheless, because of this, the entire plant is sometimes listed as toxic in some herbals. The root, which is the part used medicinally, is certainly not toxic to any degree and was used by Native Americans as a food source and is used as a wild food by numerous people nowadays who are into that sort of thing. I have used the plant extensively and never seen nor heard any negative reactions and so, allowing for rare exceptions that always exist, I encourage you to scribble out any such claims in the book, any books you have made. Of, may have or in the future find. Of course, care should be taken to distinguish the plant from false Solomon's seal and bellflower, both of which look similar to true Solomon's seal. Without doubt, Solomon's seal is the most useful remedy I know for treating injuries to the musculoskeletal system. I've used it to treat broken bones, sprains, injured tendons and ligaments, tendonitis, arthritis, dryness in joints, and slipped or herniated discs, including mine, that sure did hurt. Solomon's seal has a remarkable ability to restore the proper tension to ligaments, regardless of whether they need to be tightened or loosened. This makes it a valuable remedy for sports and activity-related injuries, used either before resorting to or along with conventional surgical procedures. I know of several instances when use of Solomon's seal prevented the need for surgery and has, and has have also seen it speed recovery time for people who have had surgery. One person I worked with who was taking a blend of Solomon's seal, mullen root, and a, bit of, a wee bit of comfrey reported that his doctor told him with some surprise that his crushed kneecap had healed remarkably because uh, between initial, his initial x-rays and his two-week follow-up. Even the cartilage had begun to repair itself. When I slipped or herniated my disc, the formula I came up with to address straightening the actual disc itself was seven-part Solomon's seal Five parts each, or was it three? I can never quite remember. Mullen root and horsetail and one part golden seal tinctures. I took this in seven drop doses and could literally feel the pain and seven sensitivity of the disc diminishing, which is to say that when the top half of my body felt way too heavy to be perched atop all that disc, the tincture created a notable easing of that sensation. This formula doesn't address the muscular nerve involvement in accompanying such injuries but is more specific to the connective tissues, strengthening them, equalizing tension, and restoring alignment. St. John's wort is probably the ideal herb to address the the attendant nerve pain and muscle spasms, and tension can indicate a plethora of distinct remedies. Lobelia, black cohosh, arnica, prickly ash, or more general ones, cramp bark, cava cava, valerium. I still use it I still use the disc formula when I overdo it and feel that sense of hip sensitivity creep back into the disc. It often takes care of the problem in a few doses. I have had consistent good results with clients using it in formulas for disc injuries as well. Remarkable stuff. I consider Solomon's Seal an invaluable connective tissue anti-inflammatory. Several people I know swear by Solomon's Seal as their preferred treatment for arthritis, but it is certainly not a universal remedy in this condition. I use it frequently to address tendonitis and repetitive stress injuries. It's much more clearly indicated here. This is also something I've dealt with firsthand. I've nipped it in the bud before, but one time wanted to know how well it would work on a case of no longer stand, of longer standing. So let the condition develop a bit to where it pretty much hurt all the time and was quite painful in certain positions. I took seven drops of Solomon's seal tincture a few times a day, and sting my arm and sting my arm from wrist to elbow with fresh nettles in the morning and evening. After three days, the condition resolved entirely. I know other people have used it without the nettles, and it worked for them as well, though not as quickly as with the nettle sting. I'm going to pause in this reading for a second just to mention that uh, nettles, uh, when they sting you, they actually release acetylcholine, and uh, if you do some reading up on acetylcholine, you'll see why that's important there. Anyway, um, Interesting use of nettles here. Uh, some years ago now, I used Solomon's Seal and Black Cohosh to help a man with lupus, an autoimmune disorder causing severe inflammation of the connective tissues. Initial results were remarkably good, remarkably good but he had a flare up resulting from some shifting around of his medications which resulted in their prescribing even more meds. And after that, the Solomon Seal, I think, just couldn't cut it through the powerful drugs. Sigh. I used a similar combination with the addition of St. John's Wort for a woman who had developed severe muscle weakness as a side effect of statin drugs. She recovered entirely upon using a remedy in 10 drop doses twice daily. another occasion, I combined it with Mullenroot Root and St. John's Wort for a man with sciatica-like pains resultant from an inflamed SI joint. Literally... Literally one five-drop dose improved the condition by 90%. I think the residual 10% was from the injured disc that caused the SI inflammation. It also seems specific where, when there is inadequate lubrication of the joint, which can be felt and sometimes even heard, and I've seen it resolve this uh, right quick in a number of occasions. Okay, so I will share the link to this article at the end. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm, uh, I'm skimming through some of the, the better pieces of it. So, uh, on to the next here. Solomon's seal is perfectly suited as a base upon which to blend formulas, and well-crafted combinations potentiate its effectiveness. St. John's wort is indicated if there is nerve involvement, numbness, tingling, shooting, or searing pains. Mullein root if there is a misalignment involved, either in the way bones are healing together or in cases of spinal curvature and subluxations. Horsetail to aid the healing of bones and cartilage. Black cohosh for dull, achy inflammation, pain in the muscles, or for whiplash. A teeny, tiny bit of golden seal for injured discs. Learned as well from Matthew Wood. Arnica for pain from injury. Teasel for muscle injuries and tears. Blue vervain if there's a lot of tension in the nape of the neck and upper shoulders, especially if it results from rigid, self-imposed idealism. Author's <laughs> <I'm laughs> words, not mine. Yarrow <laughs> if there is some bruising blood stagnation, or conversely, bleeding. Lobelia, if there are severe muscle spasms from fresh nettle, uh, if there are severe muscle spasms, fresh nettle applied, Yup, stung by, externally for tendonitis. And he says, pant, pant, pant. Well, you get the picture. It combines well with just about everything. Solomon Seal has other uses as well. The same mucilage that lubricates joints can loosen mucus in the lungs to treat dry coughs, as well as intestinal inflammation, and the starchy roots contain sugars that feed healthy bacteria in the intestines. The roots have been used in cases of male infertility, along with milky oat seeds and burdock root. If this is if this problem appears to be the result of atrophy or dried out tissues, most old literature focuses on it as being an excellent external treatment for bruises and black eyes, but I've yet to ask anyone to punch me so I could try this usage out. Um, so that's about all I'm going to read from the article for now I just kind of wanted to introduce this plant um, and let's just remember that this is just one of millions of plants on this planet and most of them have some medicinal value whether we have found it and learned to use it yet or not and often when you look back into some of the older cultures they knew how to use these plants as medicines uh, again, this is not medical advice. Do your own research, consult a professional and all that sort of stuff. But I did want to share this information and uh, I hope it helps someone. All right, so that was my reading about uh, Solomon's Seal. Um, it's something I had come across before and uh, it was kind of nice to come back and find that at her place. And, and interestingly enough, uh, Janice has arthritis, um, a severe form of it, right? Yeah, correctly.
1: I mean, I love, I don't know how much we should use her name. Well, so. I'm just giving her first name. I'm not
0: giving any other information about her or where she's at. So. But, yeah, she does.
1: <laughs> she does. She has uh, rheumatoid arthritis and has had that for many years and um, constantly struggles with it. I've it, uh, known that on a daily basis. There are some days where she's kind of just out and has to take time off.
0: Yeah, I know, and she was saying there were, there were nights she couldn't sleep at all from the pain from it. So yeah. I found it really interesting that, like, someone as into the garden as she is, has, like, found this plant which has the medicine that, like, she needs, right? And it's, like, yeah. right there. And, yeah. and she has this thing for her. She loves it, right? Like, it's yeah. one of her beautiful flowers. And uh, it's funny how uh, I've seen this over and over where people, like, they'll collect a plant that they love, they have this thing to it and they don't realize the medicinal value of it, you know? And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. It's like, oh, right, and so you, you're interested in this plant and there's maybe there's more reason to that than seems on the surface this is kind of my point.
1: For sure. I mean, I'm, I recall learning about um, certain civilizations where they've run out of a certain nutrient and then for whatever reason, people will start having cravings for eating clothing, Mm -hmm. and because the the clothing has a certain nutrient within it that they aren't even aware of, but somehow there is this, uh, I I don't know enough about it, if anyone does know enough about it and wants to explain, there seems to be some sort of like physiological response to just craving this weird Mm -hmm. clothing that they'll consume because of that like... Macronutrient
0: sounds just like cribbing uh, cribbing is for for those who don't know cribbing is where animals will Actually chew on like their stall or their the wood of the barn or stall that they're mm-hmm. in Because they're deficient in nutrients and if you solve the nutrient deficiency issue They'll stop chewing on the you know, on the
2: stall or whatever. Oh, ah, okay, cool so, it's so, like, that, uh,
1: so even animals will have that that just yeah. sort of like, maybe it's just all life life form that has that uh, weird relationship with.
0: I think so, and I think us. I'm sorry, I don't mean interrupt you. I oh, know, for
1: it. But, but I think so.
0: I think us humans uh, are just kind of detuned from that a bit, mm-hmm. and I think we probably could get those skills back if we kind of like paid more attention to intuitive things and
2: mm-hmm. and that
0: sort of thing. It's kind of hard to do, uh, immersed in this crazy environment that we're in. I know you and I have experienced that recently with uh, being here in uh, the place where we're at. And the interaction with that sort of crazy city sort of environment has made it hard for both of us to plug into nature again.
1: Yeah, it's definitely you're you're searching for, and sometimes you're searching for quite a long time.
0: And sometimes you find it, and then someone shows up right behind you and spoils it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So I just thought I would talk a little bit about the Solomon seal. Wanted to share that a little bit, and uh, you know, I really appreciated seeing uh, seeing her garden today. And I actually wanted to share more pictures of her garden, but I didn't want to overstep my bounds and just share pictures that maybe she don't want shared. So.
1: Oh no! I so think I she'd love for you to share her garden. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: maybe I'll find a way to do that. Maybe through uh, Miwi or something like that. I'll, I'll share some of those pictures. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of medicinal plants in there that could definitely help a lot of
0: different ailments. There are, there are. And a lot of beautiful flowers, and it's just really nicely laid out. Mm-hmm. It's got a very calm, peaceful, beautiful layout.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She's done a great job with it. So, uh, and Justin Gooder says uh, he's gonna have to watch back and list everything mentioned. We uh, grow and use a few of those plants, but many are new to me. Uh, yeah, I dropped that link uh, upper. Further up in the chat, and I'll drop it again here for you, Justin. You can read that article if you want to go back and find that information a little more easily. Um, there were a lot of herbs mentioned in there. I know a couple of those: uh, mullen and golden seal and yarrow. I'm familiar with with some of the properties of some of those, but it's in- interesting to see those paired with the Solomon seal. Um, and Solomon seal is one I haven't actually tried myself, but I. I'd like to try that myself and see what effects i get from it mm-hmm. i bet that would help some of my knee knee joint pain that kind of stuff too
1: sorry to backtrack but as we were talking about that kind of inherent draw to certain um mm-hmm. plants or whether they're like micro macronutrients in you know fabric um it, it just kind of i just wanted to bring up the whole chemical component to that and how a lot of um like i myself i'm kind of going through a transition here of trying to eat healthier Um, even though i wouldn't say that i'm bad but um there's definitely a chemical component to why we crave anything so if your body is needs a certain nutrient it will crave foods that that would have that nutrient, or or things that would have the nutrient. Exactly. At the same time, if you're chemically addicted to something that's bad for you, it really is almost like this potion conjured up by businesses, like, you know, I'll name drop, like McDonald's or something, where they have you hooked on a synthetic chemical reaction and become dependent on that sort of serotonin release. So your body feels like it's hungry for that, But it's really just almost like taking a pharmaceutical. It just needs that sort of false boost of whatever serotonin release you have. Well, it hijacks
0: your dopamine center too. Like, you know, it turns that into a dopamine. Oh,
1: am I mixing them up, serotonin and dopamine? Something like that.
0: I I think serotonin and dopamine are are linked. You know, I don't know enough about it to really speak on it, but I think serotonin is released after dopamine or in part of that process, but. Right. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, like not having had McDonald's in like eons. I, I think I had McDonald's like a year or two ago. I I was like, you know what? Uh, I, I was actually in a city that had McDonald's nearby, and where I used to live, there wasn't a McDonald's like down the street. It was like you had to go quite a ways.
2: Yeah.
0: But anyway, I was coming back through, and I saw the McDonald's, and I was like, man, I haven't had like fries in forever. Some of those fries, there, I remember their fries being really good. Mhm. And I stopped and I got some fries, and they were horrible. <laughs> and I felt crappy afterward, like I knew I would. Yeah. But it's funny how I had that like craving for it, and then it was, and then it wasn't even like it wasn't even like uh, taste bud satiating. It was just disappointing. I find that
1: <laughs> a lot of times, but I, I feel like I'm hijacking this this uh, conversation here because so if we're talking about McDonald's, we actually did have McDonald's recently. We went to get ice cream. Oh, well,
0: yeah. yeah. And that's, oh, that's there was the same only, thing,
1: was same thing. But, but later that day, yeah. I said to you, you smell like milk. That's and it. it was weird the because I could smell I you. the like synthetic milk coming out of your pores or something. And it also makes me think about recently I've switched deodorants. I was using something that was, you know, off the shelf at a shopper's or Lenin drugs or, you know, just a, a regular kind of drugstore. And it, it was just one of those typical brands. Um, and I, when you arrived here, I got some deodorant kind of thinking, you know, like, well, I could have some stuff ready for you because you use yeah. natural stuff. And then I started using it. And I noticed that the smell that comes off of me when I'm sweating now is much more, I don't know, I guess much less pungent. Like, it it smells like, okay, like, yeah, I I sweated a little bit, but it's not bad. Whereas before, the chemicals that I would try and put on me to mask that smelled so bad after a time that you keep putting more on, and I would get, like, itchy and uncomfortable. So it's really that same sort of, like, thinking about what are we really putting in our bodies or on top when it's chemical mm-hmm. or consuming them chemically versus like more of a natural natural shift of using deodorant that's you know not harmful or chemicals yeah yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, yeah sorry go
0: ahead no it's okay that's I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, when we get to our new place and I think we'll have a well in the new place yeah because we'll be in a more rural place i'll be looking forward to seeing how baths and showers feel to you there as opposed to here where we have the the chlorine and ammonia treatment and the water supply and uh you know be interesting to see how uh how you feel comparatively
1: do you want to talk about when you saw the reservoir here
0: oh man (laughs) wow I wish I wish we had a picture here. We
1: could but go and take. I'm sure the bodies are still floating in the water.
0: I'm sure they are. Well, they look like bodies. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the reservoir here is scummy looking.
1: That's yeah. I don't know how
0: else to say it. It's scummy. It's looking. horrible. What what was floating in there? There was um, like a ball and a bicycle helmet there were
1: two bicycle helmets very close together which like gave the impression that like (laughs) two people had just gone they were like let's just jump this and then they jumped it and then just sank together on a tandem bicycle I don't really know but that's one of our reservoirs I don't know okay so this one is called Summit Summit Hill Summit Hill Park reservoir I don't know how much of that water is actually distributed throughout Greater Victoria but that is God awful that it's completely brown and there's seagulls like swimming in it and pooping on it. And there's definitely like there's like milk bottles m- or milk cartons, yeah,
0: milk like, jugs or whatever, yeah, just
1: is. floating around in it. And like the whole people on a dead tandem bicycle thing, it, whatever it, was, it is. was, very <laughs>
0: strange to see that for sure, for sure, but uh. We're coming up on the break here shortly, but uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. But uh, I just want to say, uh, I just want to read out uh, Justin's comment before we go to the break. this is exactly. My wife was crazy <laughs> yeah, iron-rich sick. foods, and it turned out she had become a knee due to a fibroid. She had it removed and re- regained energy and lost weight. Now we pay more attention to cravings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Got to listen awesome. to your body for sure.
1: She's with feet still in them. Nice, Justin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: All right, well we shall return from the break shortly. Thanks for watching the Pharmacy C's Network here on Truth Frequency Radio, iHeart Tuned In, Talk Stream Live and also the Pharmacy C's Network. Radio, iHeart, Tuned In, TalkStream Live, and also on the ease Network YouTube channel. Before the break, Justin was just saying that uh, his wife uh, had an issue with craving iron-rich foods, and it turned out she had become anemic due to a fibroid. She had it removed and regained energy and lost weight. Now we pay more attention to cravings. So there you go. There's another example of our our ability to recognize that we have deficiencies. Even if we don't like consciously recognize them, yeah. And uh, I think that's important. I think we really have to pay. I mean, people ask me all the time all kinds of questions about health and nutrition and stuff. And one of the things I always go back to is pay attention to your body, listen to what it's saying to you. You know, if you have aches and pains, those are indicators for something's wrong. Look into it yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, same with cravings for food. You know, uh, I don't know. It's just it's like it seems almost counterintuitive but it's, a, it's intuition that's there for a reason right mm-hmm. like we have those pieces for all this time and evolution to help guide us to get to the right food and nutrition and movement or whatever it is that we need
1: well you we have to look at like animals as well because we are still animals the just mm-hmm. um the instinct of being driven to eat certain foods over others, it's almost in your genetic makeup to want to go towards something, and, and how that wisdom amongst animals who we perceive to not even communicate with one another in a way that we can understand, pass down that wisdom to avoid certain plants. I almost wonder if there's kind of like a, a physiological imprint that stays with the species over time as it evolves.
0: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, like 30% of our RNA uh, inter- interacts directly with the food that we eat. And, you know, if you know anything about DNA and RNA, RNA is like basically what DNA is replicated through. So basically that's being encoded back into our DNA mm-hmm. over time. And so whatever our ancestors were eating is affecting us today, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to think about it from that perspective. And, uh,
1: I guess that's why a lot of different races have different, um, their bodies, some, some races have a hard different time processing, yeah, exactly, allergies, and that sort of exactly. stuff, exactly, yeah. yeah, like, just because their culture isn't as used to it, like, Europeans are so used to bread and milk, yeah. for God knows how many years, Yots. yeah, Yots. so, like, I, I've, I've really, I've been told I've had a problem, but only from, like, really scammy, weird, pseudoscientists, because I I don't I don't think I have a problem with um, any of those types of foods, but you, seem, you know
0: you seem to handle them just fine.
1: Yeah, but I th- I think like for the most part Europeans, yeah, they're just so used to that. Whereas like um, you know a lot of like the South American cultures may not be as used to yeah cheeses
0: um, and those sort of things. They're yeah, more into the grains and uh, fresh herbs and peppers and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff um Peter of Barbarius says, being totally off-grid and rural all my water is rain harvested the question of sh- uh the question of showers so much better than town or board water oh nice. yeah rain uh, rainwater is top quality that's like some of the cleanest purest water you can get mm-hmm. it's interesting we've been exploring some of the Gulf islands here and uh some of those islands that seems to be the primary. Water source. Like yeah, the most, of the, most of the houses we went past had, had big tanks next to them.
1: It's funny because you see them on the Gulf Islands, but I know I don't know about where we are now. But I know when I was living in Vancouver, there was a bylaw that you weren't allowed to collect it <laughs> unless it's for your plants. But you couldn't drink it, you couldn't shower with it, which is really weird. Yeah, why would they? Gonna,
0: are you gonna come like enforce that? <laughs> right? It, like, are right,
1: Are you drinking rainwater? Sneaking into my shower water? while I'm
0: taking a rainwater shower, like.
1: Yeah, you, you have your mouth open the under the raining sky,
0: right. someone comes, um, runs
1: at you and smacks you in the face in <laughs> umbrella. With a baton and... Okay. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to stop me, okay? Well,
0: it's funny because <laughs> I, uh, I remember seeing laws passed like that in Colorado, I think it was, a couple um, of years yeah. back. And I was really surprised. to. See, I was like, wow, really? You're going to make rainwater harvest illegal? And I think there, they weren't even just doing it for water and showers, they just said, you know, you can't collect rainwater. It's like, yeah. okay, I bought property, I'm paying taxes on it, like, it's private land, but you're going to tell me I can't collect the rainwater that falls on it? What's the next commodity you're going
1: to make? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Know? What you need to do is just build a little fence and then in the middle of the fence you have your giant rainwater collector and then if anyone comes and says, hey what are you doing back there? I'll be like, that's the shower. Are you a peeping Tom? <laughs> I'm offended.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, you can just build a, build a, your rain collection off of your roof and put your tanks underground and, like, That and is awesome. anyway. <laughs> I
1: would rather make someone I feel shame. I you like to make them uncomfortable. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So uncomfortable that they never come back, because they just <laughs> well, need to erase in, that memory. In, in all
0: fairness, they should not be looking at you while you're trying to take a shower. Exactly. With, with a bit over the line, for sure. Well, <laughs> our
1: neighbor was in our backyard today, watering our plants that did not to be water, need to be watered. He was and giving our was plants too, a shower. That, that was too <laughs> close for comfort. And weird. It was kind of weird. It was weird, for sure. For sure.
0: Especially after the, the weird questionnaire about the deer fence we put up
1: last Yeah. Week. And the fact that i don't know there's anyway it was weird yeah it was very strange. we're leaving we're
0: looking forward to leaving yeah
1: For like sure if this one-year plan turned into a one-month plan yeah, yeah, yeah. like nah like, i'm co- good let's we're leave. running full compression here yeah
0: <laughs> yeah peter of barbaria says they pulled the same thing in the cities here one side of the highway it was bad the other side you could drink it crazy Oh, what? Wow. That
1: makes no sense.
0: It's funny because I I actually uh, watched the entire 72-hour permaculture course from Jeff Lawton and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name at the moment off the top of my head. But uh, they talked about rainwater harvest there and they actually talked about the algae being a good thing in the rainwater tanks Mm -hmm. because the algae actually consume all the toxins and take up all the bacteria. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I I thought that there was someone in, I, f- I don't know if it was in Vancouver or in UBC, I'm not making that but someone had devised a type of algae that actually consumes plastic out of water to get really? rid of some of the, the insane pollution in the ocean.
0: Consumes plastic? Yeah,
1: it eats plastic.
0: Wow, now does that algae, so that must survive in salt water, I guess yeah. you're going to do it in the ocean. Huh? Yeah. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
0: Justin says, uh, they say that here in Oregon, but it's only enforced in the blue cities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's left of the blue cities? <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> a government a will taxi for a nice view. Yeah, that's how it was in New York, too. Yeah. Taxi for a nice view, taxi for anything they could. Down the list. Yes, Bill Mollison. Thank you, Peter of Arbery. Much appreciated. Nice. Hey, Castle High. It's good to see you in the chat. How are you this evening? Hi. So, yeah, so it's an interesting, uh, I don't know, the whole rainwater harvesting thing. I was not expecting that on the islands that we explored. I guess I just didn't think of it. I figured yeah. they do drilled wells. Yeah. But it's like... Well, don't, you have that much rain. I was going to say, I didn't think about the fact that we're in the Pacific Northwest, where, you know, it's it rains pretty frequently. So you have a yeah. lot of fresh water available. Um, I was watching the... Uh, I haven't in a while, but because I've been busy. But uh, I was watching uh, Jim and Jessica of uh, the Green Dream Project channel,
1: mm-hmm. and they're in
0: Arizona, and they built huge rainwater collection tanks and uh, piping systems and mm-hmm. stuff. But they only get, you know, they get a rain event. You know, I think they get like heavy thunderstorms in July, and the rest of the year it's like they're lucky if they get a shot of rain.
1: Oh my god!
0: So that's a whole different scenario from
1: I, yeah. Before. We at least get a week. Worth of rain per month, yeah. I'd say, I, think, yeah. I think so because, and especially like Vancouver in the summer can get pretty dry, but Victoria is so all over the place with water, we got ocean from, all around us, too. So, yeah, like one day it'll be like sunny, and then you know, just the other day we're going up island and like just downpour
0: boom, it hit us, poor. And, and then it's
1: like, <laughs> now I'm done. Nah, and then maybe later a little downpour again and it's it's so all over the place So like it's, I feel like we never really have had a drought.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty
1: Oh REM pretty you chill. You attracted that but yes yeah, spirulina yeah, is cool. Algae and it's a superfood. Oh, yeah the messages were yeah, yeah. but I did see that.
0: Oh, yeah spirulina is a good one That's very high nutrient. That's really good stuff actually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah uh, There's another one too uh, I can't run it off the top of my head now. I'm a little, uh, I don't know.
1: Tired. Tired,
0: yeah. I'm tired. I'm worn out. The city wears me out.
1: Yeah.
0: And Peter Barbaria says, I was at that course. Last one Bill ever did. Great and funny man. Oh, awesome. Did you hear the whale story, Peter? That was an interesting story. And Justin Goodo says, love that channel. And Rotman's in here. Hey, Rotman. Rotman. Good to see you as well. Good day. I'm in on tank water. I was getting down to half. Now I just had two solid days of rain, so that's good. Nice. Awesome. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Justin, do you do any rainwater catchment out there with all your, uh, I know you do a lot of like biodynamic related stuff. Do you capture rainwater for that at all?
1: We're also now considering them. Oregon, just FYI, Justin.
0: Yeah, we should catch up with you at some point <laughs> off-air and, uh, and have a little chat, because Oregon and Washington are on the potential list of places to move to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we want to stay one, one property out here in the West Coast, yeah. for sure. Um, just, it almost makes, well, we'll see how it goes, but it may make more sense to be in America, because prices here are not great yeah Yeah. and there's well actually so what another thing to talk about is um we were island hopping and one of them that's closer to the main island here was so overpopulated even though it was this tiny little blip of an island uh, going there expecting not many people but just like that density too and like when that density happens that's so harsh on the island itself for the ecosystem to be able to support that many people especially when they are so densely packed together to to be able to support that that life there you there need to no spread room for the life exactly That's
0: the problem right like yeah. There's no room for the wildlife, there's no room for the people, there's no space between the people.
1: Yeah, and... I mean,
0: like some of those houses, you can literally reach your hand out the window and touch the neighbor's wall. They're outside the wall.
1: Yeah, see I don't understand what the appeal is to live out in nature but so close to someone else. And if you're, you know, if you're... Okay, let's think about this and like from a purely like... like a constructional and, I guess, geographic perspective. If you're gonna build that close, people especially on this cliff everyone wants to look at the water right they're scraping all of that that soil and those trees off of that cliff which make it very susceptible to runoff and erosion over time right. and with like the winds and the waves hitting that you're already in a vulnerable position with a natural and now you're going to go beat the crap out of the
0: ecosystem that would keep that in place a little better
1: which is why you see houses tumbling into the water because of landslides. Because yep. everyone's got to be on the ocean front right next to each other. You totally desecrate like the entire ecosystem there. That keeps that sediment on the rock. No, we got to build it. Well, no. okay,
0: fine. But you're going to be in the drink. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh, Go ahead and
0: put yourself in the drink, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, it's what oh, we
0: say to people who, who aren't thinking through the
1: natural side of things at all. Like, there's no
0: There doesn't seem to be a way to get through to them, right?
1: And the developers are all, oh, yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. We'll
0: do anything you want as long as you get us that paycheck. Yeah.
1: Five story mansion? Go for it. Right on Cliffside? High rise? Let's do it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, The Rotman says he takes spirulina and the dogs love it too. Uh, Awesome.
1: I I like spirulina.
0: I haven't had that in a long time. I, I would like, love to put that in I stuff. I like uh, Justin Gooder says, uh, "Yes, we do collect rainwater. We need more smart voters here. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we got. We'll have to catch yeah. up on Skype one of these nights, Justin." Yeah. You too, Do you prospect down there? He says. Right, well, now I'm just reading chat, but <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it's interesting how. Uh, how much we impact the ecosystems that we live on and then complain when they fail on us because we've damaged them, right? Like,
1: yeah. Oh, crow the farm up just came in.
0: Hey, Brad, good to see you in here. Finally caught alive, huh? On the tractor planting, very nice. Very nice, what are you putting in?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's um. I feel like there's always that kind of activism against uh, development where people really, there, there should be more of an understanding of what the natural ecosystem requires to live in um, a, symbiotic, a symbiotic relationship with people and the, the geography, but um, there really isn't. There's just this idea of blast it away, make some flat space, throw down foundation, and over time we can see that's led to a lot of different things, like not only the degradation, but with with the type of fragmentation, too, um, mm, in the yeah. ecosystem. The
0: disruption between the connections between all those pieces.
1: Exactly. When it, when it is smaller pieces that are more scattered, that's better because you leave these much larger corridors for wildlife yeah. to be able to access their food, and that contributes to the overall space that they're able to, to harvest their foods from, or hunt, or whatever it is that they're doing, foraging. Um, But when you have these pieces, like, say, three houses together, you take way more away from that natural area and fragments it in ways that that, that's not, like, of any sort of use for most animals at that point. Instead of having just kind of, like, a little barren zone here, there, here, there, you know? It's it's, all about pattern.
0: It's not natural either way. Either, uh, you know, from a a natural perspective, like, animals, like, you know, Oh, there's a raccoon family over there. I'm a coon. I'm gonna go over here and make some space between me and them. Exactly. Us humans, not all of us, but some of us are doing this, like, you know, like, boom, 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 right on top of each other. Exactly. It just doesn't make any sense.
1: No, it doesn't at all. Hi, Olin.
0: Hey, Olin, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Brad says he's planting seed corn tonight, trying to outrun a thunderstorm. You know, same old. here a while so i figured why not come learn been missing yes. your stream knowledge yeah thanks brad
1: yeah so that i mean like what what other animal in nature <laughs> so like just imagine this scenario you're a bird and you find a tree and you build a nest and you're you're like okay i'm gonna throw my eggs down in this nest and sit on them and wait for them to hatch and then of all the trees around you there's a bird that comes and sits right next to your nest and when you go out and forage for your little ones, it's right there beside you foraging too. That's like the human mentality. I don't know how we miss the mark on that so badly <laughs> here, where the rule of the bus still applies. Get as far away from anyone else there as you possibly can applies to living and, and life and giving people the space that they need to exist. What bird does that? They don't because that goes against The grain that is not that does not give them any benefit or advantage in survival. In fact, it impedes their rates of survival. Doing something like that—it's dumb. Birds know that. Humans? Humans? There's a lot of (laughs) humans
0: that don't get that. How many times have we like gone out on the beach here and like just to go out and sit (laughs) on the beach and like somebody will like walk up and sit like ten feet from us,
1: like, Like, and there's like no one else around us, but they have to sit right next to us, like. You're. You need to stop the rule. The rule of the bus. My God.
0: <laughs> you should explain rule of the bus. Rule the we bus. We don't live okay. in uh, urban areas. Okay,
1: rule of <laughs> the bus is a thing that most city dwellers know. You get on a bus. You see someone in seat A over there. You sit as far away from them as possible and then any other person who comes onto the bus does the same thing so you have this equally dispersed scattering of people instead of a bunch of weirdos sitting next to each other and a bunch of empty space. If you're ever on a bus and someone sits next to you when there's space for them not to, up, get up, get, up and, get <laughs> up and leave. Just
0: leave. Up, it's a creeper. And I really need to. I
1: need to put this picture gotta, in with our stream. Of, I have an amazing creeper who was staring at me on the bus. Just. There are no words to explain this photo, but I have this photo oh, and we will put it into a stream it. eventually because it's amazing. It. And then it's... you'll understand why the rule of the bus exists. Yeah,
0: it's it's basically <laughs> the same rule that we use in uh, <clears throat> in public bathrooms as guys, like the rule of the, the urinal. urinal. yes. You go as, to, as far away yeah. as you can, right? Like, yeah. You don't go next to the guy. If there's a stall between you, you put that <laughs> between you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and it's funny how like that most people seem to get that, or most guys, in my experience, in public bathrooms, get that. Yeah. But, you take it out into nature, and all of a sudden, they want to climb on top of you.
1: Yeah, you're like sitting, you're sitting and looking at a nice beach in front of you, and someone decides to sit right in front of you. In fact, they're standing and taking a picture, so their butt's in your face now. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what it's like. It's, in it's, like, like,
0: it's, <laughs> it's, it's worse in the movie theater. At least at the movie theater, you expect someone to stand up and stick their head in the way of the screen. Right?
1: Like, <laughs> at least you can throw popcorn at them. It's harder <laughs> to throw rocks at them
0: because
1: then you get arrested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you it say it's like, like... <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. goes downhill.
0: Quick. Yeah. You better to just like we do, pack our stuff and leave. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's frustrating too. Yeah. People like to fish near me. Uh, Owen says, "Yeah, yeah, same kind of
1: thing." Why? <laughs> I've had People that before like the... too. Oh, that's so annoying because you go out there for peace and quiet, and then there's someone next to you.
0: Yeah, it's just it's insane. I'm trying to think. Where was the one place we found peace and quiet where that didn't happen? Um. Oh, it was that Gabriola. Was,
1: oh shit.
0: Yeah, it was that one Love of the islands. One of the islands. <laughs> we we'll <laughs> <out. laughs> <laughs> One of the islands. Yeah. But it wasn't in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was. It was one of the islands we explored, and uh, and it was only. It was only. Well, it was one place on that that we, we noticed that right. Because I don't. I, mean, I don't think we explored a lot of other places on that island. No, no,
1: but it was nice that when we did leave the vehicle and we are like, oh here's a beach, and we went to the beach. It was so peace. it was so quiet that I could, like our conversation went from normal level here to like whisper because it was just serene and amazing how quiet it was. You could just hear like birds and water lapping up on the shore, very very peaceful, and yeah it was the first time where... But there were some other people there, but they were very respectful. They were
0: respectful, friendly. They didn't climb yeah. on top of us. Yeah. They, they nodded and said hello when they saw us. They, like, yeah. And they, but that's one thing we get here that we don't, you know, there's a lot of like weird like interactions with people where they don't, they won't look at you or they won't acknowledge you. Yeah. Or if they do, they give you a weird like vibe.
1: I don't mean, you're up to yeah. Oh, show. no, no, no. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm so weird about people here, too, because I'm so used to people being total freaks That I just like kind of just try and avoid them As best I can
0: Yeah, and I kind (laughs) of learned about that the other day on the street with a guy that kind of came at me weird and then like And then, like, broke into Friendly about ten feet away, where I was starting to think, like, I might have to, like, knock
2: this guy out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So weird. Like, Like, he was going one direction, and then he, like, diverted toward me, and, like, like made eye contact with direct eye contact, and I kind of was just like glancing in different directions, trying to be <laughs> nonchalant. It's so creepy. And then he got within a certain range, and I was like, "Okay, I'm locking eyes with him, and I'm gonna turn the missiles on here." In a <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then he like, "Hey, how are you?" And like he was friendly and then he walked down the street, but like, weird. Why? Why do that? I, don't I have no idea. Understand it? I have
1: no idea. It's. I know it's really unsettling.
0: Yeah. It is.
1: Oh, Robinson, are you in Victoria?
0: You're talking about Victoria, Australia. He's talking about Victoria, mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, yeah. Uh, we're in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah.
1: We're not
0: for long. Other side of the planet, basically, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not for long. We're getting out of here. Yeah,
1: exactly. Fuck
0: my shit. Yes, yes, yes text me. Give me an address a second. So nice. Ah, yes, we should be yes. Uh, I think we are going to go out for a walk,
1: but for, uh, we, we yeah, don't have I, any plans tomorrow night. I will
0: definitely text you, and yeah, tomorrow night we could hook up in BS if you're around. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we've missed each other on texts and uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, Post show, just uh, the show gets over and we're like, oh, thank God it's over. I can go <laughs> yeah. have a beer, relax, or whatever. But uh, but yeah, definitely. And I didn't send you an address. Sorry, I'll shoot you an address and. Uh, that squared yeah, as well. We'd
1: love to talk to you. Yeah. And um, chill out.
0: Much appreciate your uh, friendship and support. Gotta <laughs> go cook a roast chicken at the house. I'll catch you later. Oh, that sounds delicious, Rob. I'm going to enjoy yes. cooking it and eating it. And uh, appreciate your support. And uh, well, hopefully, we'll catch you next week or sometime in between.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Chicken. Again. Yeah, chicken sounds good. I know you're gonna you're gonna come over to the the carnivore side. I right? am. But I, what I,
1: so I haven't for those of you who don't know, I haven't eaten any meat or fish in like fifteen years. But when we get our chickens at our new place, I'm gonna wait until I realize <laughs> which one is the worst meanest Whichever chicken. one's the jerk is. And then gonna I'm gonna kill it eat it. Kill it eat it. Because I, I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna just get a chicken and eat it. I wanna I want it to be like if i'm going to start eating meat again i really want it to be because one animal really is
2: rubbed you the, the, wrong be, um, way. <laughs> rubbed the wrong way but,
1: so and then i'm gonna eat it yeah so.
0: <laughs> but you know hey uh whatever your motivation is to get some good protein into your system you know, i
1: know it's gotta weird gotta do what you
0: gotta do yeah well uh, you know and to be fair like I, having having butchered chickens myself it's hard to like. I didn't really want to butcher those birds like except for the one that attacked my cat clone that one I was very happy to do away with. I'll shoot
1: it if you butcher it. That's uh, a great target practice. I'd rather you. do
0: the shooting than you do the cutting. butcher a pure butt. I can't, I can't do the cutting. If
1: I see blood I'll faint.
0: All right. We'll figure something out. <laughs> anyway, We're coming up on the break here, which actually we're going to call the end of the show for this evening.
2: Yeah.
0: So um, Appreciate everyone's support and uh, everybody checking in. And thanks for your chat. And uh, hopefully, we'll catch you guys all uh, next week or uh, Thursday for the Thursday night stream. Thursday. And uh, yeah. maybe Sunday for Twin Flames or whatever. But <laughs> angry meeting is necessary. Yes. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for watching the Pharmacy Network YouTube channel here on Truth Frequency Radio, iHeart, Tuned In, TalkStream Live, and also on the Pharmacy Network YouTube channel right here. And uh, we're going to throw you to the outro, and we will catch you uh, next week. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Bye. Have a good night.
2: All uh-huh. right.